spoke highly about Gary. So, he, you know, he came with, you know, high expect uh, high recommendations. High expectations. High expectations. Well. That's why you got. <laughs> uh, no pressure, Gary. Okay. But yeah, I'm excited actually because I think uh, you know, it's such an important aspect of company building, uh, you know, part of the support team, contact centers and the representatives who are constantly in touch with the customers as well as potential customers it's kind of like an important channel and people shouldn't discard that channel in my opinion so in this episode i want to learn all things about uh, the importance and you know how you think about uh, what are the what are some of the things that people make mistakes quite often in water but yeah let's let's dive into the episode uh, i do have some questions for you right off the bat uh, you you seem to be a leadership coach and you have massive experience in training people uh bringing up to the speed and you know putting them in the right direction talk to me about the you know the leadership aspect of customer support uh whether it is in contact center or generally in support teams how much of people should invest in being a leader you know what it's i, I mean i've done the the frontline leadership role um and it's a thankless task sometimes and and you don't get um much thanks from your team and you don't get most thanks from your bosses sometimes and i think it's um leadership in certainly the contact spend contact center space is incredibly incredibly important and i talk about um operational excellence plus employee engagement equals great customer outcomes which kind of underpins a lot of what we do as a consultancy to look at customer experience um and when i when i talk about customer experience i talk about it through the through the lens of operational excellence through training development and i i separate training development out from leadership development because i think frontline contact center training is invaluable it's an invaluable part of the onboarding process for any agent and if you're going to have great customer outcomes we need to be training people up and coaching them and developing them in the right way but i think when we look at coaching and development we tend to focus a lot sometimes on frontline agents on the capacity for the the team to improve their speed to competency and have better conversations with customers but we don't often invest as much time and energy in leadership development and that's a really important aspect of any contact center role and i think the the frontline team leader role is really underestimated sometimes on the importance that, that it can have on the lives of sometimes up to 12 13 14 different people uh, and if that contact center manager or that team leader um turns up in a foul mood it's 12 or 13 people that suffer if if one person in the team of of 12 turns up there's probably 11 other people that can help boost them but quite often the role of the team leader is quite isolated um there's lots to do and there's lots of plates plates to spin and balls to juggle So I think the the role of the 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 team leader um in contact centers is massively underestimated and and massively undersupported um mm. in some respects. So I think leadership development in any walk of life it doesn't necessarily need to be contact centers in any mm-hmm. role how much time you spend investing in the people that have the biggest impact on the majority of your people um is really important. So that's why I kind of look at leadership development, leadership coaching, training mm-hmm. and development for contact center, customer service, sales reps, and then customer experience through the lens of operational excellence and and process improvement and digitization of the customer journey. So they all play a part. And I and I think when you look at each of them, 
you can't fix one in isolation. You lift the lid on customer experience, you're often lifting the lid on a people transformation project or a digital transformation project and all, all sorts of stuff. So it's all linked. Yeah, it, it is. It is like uh, like the roots, right? Everything is interlinked with each other. And what you said is also true. Uh, we often have like a, a very underestimated opinion on contact, you know, centers, but they are the they are the ones who are actually talking to the people, right? Like yeah. apart from the team you built, whether you're in tech or whether yeah. you're in retail or whatever it is that you know your company is. Yeah, listen. I mean, if if you watched. Um... Stephen Bartlett, uh, Diary of a CEO. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He he stakes that um, he wouldn't be the person that he was if it wasn't for his time working in a call center, working in a contact center. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've talked on this subject many a time at great length because it's one I'm quite passionate about. Is that the role of uh, a contact center agent and the role of a call center agent, whatever you want to call it, um, is hugely underestimated by people who have never worked in in contact centers because when you think about what a a call center agent or a contact center agent needs to do whether that's somebody working from a physical office or someone working from home in a remote environment they've got to manage multiple systems they've got to read scripts they've got to look up knowledge management systems they've got to have lots of different crm systems open they've got to be mindful of lots of different processes, whether that's a systemized process or a manual workaround that they have to think about. And then what Mm -hmm. we also expect from them is to listen to the customer, respond Mm -hmm. to the customer with rapport and empathy, um, make Mm -hmm. sure that we ask really good questions and don't give them attitude if they give you attitude back. So (laughs) the role of the the, the contact center agent is hugely difficult and hugely challenging. And it's often one of those ones that's maybe 22, 23 grand a year, but the expectation from them, from both the customer and the people that are managing them and leading them is quite high. And I don't think they get enough credit for um, for the work that they do. You know what? I, what you said is uh, kind of like invoked a thought in, in my mind. Not just people recognizing the frontline, uh, you know, contact rep, team uh, agents or call center agents internally, but I think... Uh, they're not appreciated by the customers itself. Like, you know, (laughs) because they, you know, customers generally have an issue. They're, they're raged or they're in a certain mood. That's why they call these folks and they want to like, you know, resolve them on the call. So I'm not bragging or anything, but I actually worked not in a call center, but I actually worked as a pizza boy and, in the beginning of my journey, like 10 years ago, when I came to the US, I just want to share like this story. Uh, it's not very often that when you deliver a pizza, knocking on a door, the other person welcomes you with wide arms. <laughs> right? like, like you, first thing, you're late. Why did it take so long? <laughs> right. And I think, uh, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was like a, like an old woman and she ordered a pizza and I delivered it I was on time and everything but she actually made a dialogue with me yeah and she spoke to me as in as if like I'm a human being and she asked me like you know how's the work you're so young why are you doing this and all that so that empathy really made an impact and after that like I always you know two things I do like I I tip well you know because I came from that uh, role yeah. number two when I talk to like folks 
who are on the other end who are really trying to help you right who are basically serving you basically these members are servants like they are yeah. sir so the, the servant in a way that they are very helpful i'm not talking about the other servants like in the yeah. pardon my language but it's my intention is they are the ones who really want to help you right so i think they're massively under, underappreciated by the internal teams as well as like the people yeah. who talk to them so definitely i mean there's two there's two roles in my career that's three roles in my career that i i think defined how i behave now as a business owner and how i behaved in business and and how I, how i i suppose paved my own way in in the contact center to become a little bit more ambitious and and want to get somewhere and i think the first one that really kind of grounded me in in business and um in life was mcdonald's being a crew member at mcdonald's um that taught me customer service skills it taught me sales skills it taught me leadership skills it taught me budgeting skills labor skills at a very young age um and i think i took some of that into my first role in contact centers uh when i was in my early 20s um and that kind of made me realize that actually as an industry they're very similar in terms of that they're both very demanding industries they're both very customer service um driven industries they they they're equally as um prevalent in in sales um sectors and and the the skills that I learned at McDonald's I was able to apply in a sales role that I that I picked up in in my first um role as a as a contact center and then the other one that that shaped me a little bit was um I was a store manager designate for a company called Quicksave which was um a grocery retailer here and again that was about stock management it was about people management it was about customer service delivery and it it was it was a hard work hard company to work for and they no longer exist which explains a few things but those things mm. i think we we take for granted when we're learning right. skills um right. and we're learning transferable skills to take into other industries and i think right. you can't underestimate the 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 multiple skills um that you learn being in a contact center environment and i think people mm. don't when they're ringing up a a call center or when they're interacting with a call center or a contact center um they don't appreciate all of the things that that agent is having yeah. to do in the background whilst they're being ranted at for the call taking too long to be answered or this is the yeah. third time that i've had to call and you've you've not got it right so the agent is managing conflict the managing complaints the managing rapport mm. they're trying to tap into the emotional intelligence of a customer mm. conversation and build empathy whilst the customer is furious and shouting at him so right. the the it's agent role it, it's not an entry level role people say contact center is an entry level role it is by far an entry level role if you're working mm. in a contact center there's an omni channel contact center um and dealing with high volume high demand maybe even in a regulated environment right. it is not an entry level role. and when people say oh just go and get a job in a call center it's not for everybody yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. we've got for to be sure. mindful of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the the <clears throat> the EQ levels should be high. Uh, there, there should be always on the alert. And I didn't, I didn't work there, so I, I might not have a like a like an insider view, but I can actually sense what from what you're saying the importance. So one of the things you mentioned in your previous answer is operational excellence. So yeah. talk to me about. Let, let's talk a little bit deep about the op- operational excellence in terms of customer support what do you mean by that uh, can you elaborate so for me when i think about operational excellence and, and i i suppose it, it falls into a few different buckets if you like you've got 
operational excellence as in how do we continue to improve the environment um, so what's that continuous improvement loop um, and how do we make sure that we are looking at processes that there are opportunities to do something different with so we can innovate and iterate and always be thinking how can we do things better um, so that's one aspect of, of operational excellence the other aspect for me is then how do we make sure that we've got a robust um, and steady ship so what's the workforce management side of things what's the resourcing what's the scheduling and um, how are we controlling that environment in a way that's going to help us deliver on some of the objectives be that service levels um, handling times csat scores um, conformance productivity utilization all that kind of stuff is how are we making sure that we're doing that without holding people over a barrel and kind of saying right you must go for a break here or you must pee there or you must do something there having an environment that's conducive to good working but operationally efficient and then the last part of, of operational excellence is really kind of thinking about that customer journey and that customer experience and saying right what are the the key pain points of customers going through our processes going through our journeys that are actually causing them some real kind of lines of friction um, and usually that's translated into stuff that aggravates the customer that then causes challenge for the agent and the agent has to work twice as hard to win that customer around so it impacts potential conversion from a, a sales perspective retention from a, a customer loyalty perspective and then just that bad press and, and bad experience that customers then leap to Twitter about or leap to Trustpilot or do a, a CSAT review and then all hell breaks loose in the in the contact center and somebody saying why have we just got a one star trust pilot score well actually it's because we've not done all of those things in the background that are helping the agent helping the customer and, and making sure that we've got a really robust operation so operational excellence covers a multitude of things but i think you can bucket them down in into those three aspects i'd say mm. very interesting very interesting i love i love the i love the <clears throat> the way you've kind of separated them uh you talked a little bit about sales, right? Like in, in, in your previous answer, it impacts sales. Overall, I think how much, in your opinion, not how much per se, but what level of impact customer support, customer excellence makes on sales and how do the both teams work together yeah. as a unity? Um, there's a quote that I always reference. I don't know whose it is. It might be like a... A Zig Ziglar or a, a Brian Tracy quote, but it's if, if you're not selling or serving a customer, be serving someone who is. Loosely, it's probably not verbatim there. I've probably not got it quite right, but the essence is if you're not selling or you're not serving a customer, be serving and supporting somebody who is. And I think about that from a the, the customer, the sales team are the people that are selling directly to customers or, or helping customers. The customer service team are the people that help then facilitate and deliver that when the customer comes to either making a claim or experiencing the product or the service so they're they're intrinsically linked um, and they should be supporting mm -hmm. each other and, I, and I'll talk about something else in a minute about the relationship between sales and service because that's not always a always a good one but then you've got mm -hmm. all this back office uh, side of things that isn't customer facing so they're, they're not the ones that have to speak to the customer on a day-to-day -day basis and they can get quite siloed sometimes um, and they can get quite protective about their element of the journey their element of the bubble um, their SLAs and their time and they, they push back significantly on customer service and they push back a lot on sales and I think sometimes we need to 
make sure that we break down those barriers and, and make sure that we're all doing the right thing. And that quote rings true a lot when you say, if you're not serving a customer directly or selling to a customer directly, be supporting or serving somebody who is. So I think mm. that brings out the spirit of how do we make sure that we're all working on the same hymn sheet. And I think sometimes sales and service, they, they come at loggerheads with each other, don't they? Like salespeople don't like the service people because they think they're the, the sales prevention police and the service team are sometimes, right, well, sales get all the treats, they get all the great stuff, they get all these expensive trips away and we get nothing. Um, so I think that there needs to be conscious effort in business to try and harmonize um, those areas and, and make sure that the, the sales team recognize the efforts that the service team have to go through and the, and the back office team have to go through because all of that work that the sales team do is delivered through the customer service team. It's delivered through the, um, the back office uh, teams and, and, and they don't have a, a client without all of that stuff yeah. and all of that infrastructure around them. So I think right. salespeople need to be mindful of all of the stuff that goes on after the sale and the mm. service people, um, if you're service minded and you don't want to go into sales, you need to appreciate the effort that goes into acquiring a new customer, making sure that they're doing everything that they need to do, making sure that we're negotiating on price as much as we need to do, making sure that we're mm. delivering on the promises that we say that we're going to do and actually trying to have that, um, that acquisition conversation mm. that's going to help the service team have a job help the back office team have a job and keep mm. us all in a, in a profitable situation. So I think mm. there's a, there's an appreciation of everything. And I think we all need to be mindful of that. Did that yeah, answer yeah. your question? I felt like I went on a, on a ramble then. Sorry. No, 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 no. I love that quote. I think uh, we'll find the actual source. I think it's Zig Ziglar, I guess. Yeah, you, you were right. Uh, I love the way you portrayed the, you know, you started with the quote and, you know, he supported by by giving in a proper explanation uh when when it comes to sales team uh what are the mistakes that they make in in terms of again going back to the appreciation you know aspect of it about customer support and vice versa like what are the things that what what is the biggest mis misunderstanding you know these both teams have and how do you suggest to fill the gap <laughs> so i've worked in the operational side of things from both a sales and a service perspective so i understand the frustrations on both parts um i referred to earlier i said that the service teams have come across sometimes as the um the sales prevention police um and the the, the so that the sales team think oh that they they just don't want us to uh, make the sale uh, and I think the service teams often find that disconnect of the, the sales teams maybe being a little bit ego driven and a bit maniacal maybe about getting the sale and it's all about their commission and I think there is a lack of appreciation on both sides about what we're here to do um, and I think if you think about it in terms of um a tender process and you're going through that bid process and what you have to do as part of that bid is attest to what your service levels are, how you're going to make sure that you deliver for the customer, how you're going to make sure you've got the right response times and, and SLAs. That's the bit when you start to see sales and service teams coming together um, because we have to have those conversations. We have to have that dialogue with them and say, if I sell the dream over here, 
what does it mean to you guys from a service perspective? And am I am I about to sell something that's going to cause us to trip up in three months time and I'm going to get an angry customer because we promised the world and we can't actually deliver it. And I think that's where service teams probably get frustrated and angry with the sales team is because they've not taken enough of an interest in the actual operational delivery of what it is that they're selling. And the sales team don't appreciate the amount of effort that goes into actually servicing the client and delivering on all of those expectations that they've just set the customer up for. So I think the the disconnect sometimes is under, the sales team not understanding enough about the operational delivery. And I think the service team not taking enough of an interest in the upfront sales process and saying, right, actually, if we're going to deliver that and we're going to sell, say we're going to do that, can we do it together? Can we work on this as a pitch and a, and a joint um, acquisition so that we can make sure that what you're about to sell to the customer is something that we can deliver without um, f- falling over before we've even started? I think the unity is really important there, uh, the t- coming togetherness and probably uh, sales, folks, sales folks should do one or the other days should do service jobs. Spend a day in the life. I think that's a really good shout is say, right, go and spend a day in the life of the customer service team or the the service team leader who's having to field complaints and having to manage 15 different people, do all the coaching that they need to do, do all the one-to-ones that they need to do, deal with all the customer complaints, deal with all the escalations, deal with all the people management issues, Mm. um, go and spend the day in the life of somebody in the service field. And same with the service people. Go and spend, in the, spend a day on the road with the salesperson. Go and grab a headset and listen to the conversation that they've got to have to try and win business that you have to service um, that keeps us all in a job. Mm-hmm. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about training. The <clears throat> customer support training, uh, contact rep training. Uh, talk to me about some of the best methods you implement you know, when it comes to training people in, you know, service industry, support industry. Yeah, I think the, the, the start point of any contact center onboarding process needs to be a really strong induction program um, and a really clear embedding program within that first maybe 30 to, to 90 days. Um, I talk about and I'm working with a client already on this, is, is, is what's the speed to competency that we expect of an agent in the first 30 days? What do we expect them to be able to do realistically when they're coming out of induction, when they're in that incubation period, maybe in a model office or a, a grad bay environment? What's the process to kind of make sure that they can confidently and competently do all the things that we expect from them? So training starts, it doesn't start, as a, it's not a, a one-off classroom intervention. It starts from day one of your induction. And actually, there's a bit of pre-board in there. There's a bit of, here's some of the things that we want you to know. Here's some of the things that we want you to expect. Actually, let's invite you in before you've actually started. Have a listen to some calls or send you some examples of some some calls that you might give you an idea or a flavor of um, of what it is that you'll be coming into. And and. Sometimes that might mean that people say, whoa, I've listened to some calls and actually my expectation is massively different to what I thought it was. So I might actually not turn up on day one because I've got more of an understanding. And I'd always encourage people when they're onboarding new staff is to say, right, if you've got time, build into your interview process, go and listen to some calls on the floor before you make a judgment. Uh, And then that 
takes away that shock factor on day one of the induction where people are like oh right is this really what i uh what i bought into but i think the the start point of any employee life cycle has to be a really strong onboarding and getting that nailed um and being really clear about what those processes are what those um, skills are that they're going to need from day one and then working out what the the graduation of those skills need to be because you can't do all things um straight away perfectly from from day one um, but the stuff that you need to be doing straight away perfectly from day one is the stuff that should be really rammed home um in that induction period and role played and tested and role played again and signed mm. off and attested to um so that they can get it right so i think training starts with a really strong clear onboarding program and then sustaining that and, and putting in the right curriculum or the right kind of mm-hmm. um refreshes and, and stuff that's going to kind of keep skills honed and, and fresh what are some intangible uh skills that you recommend people to develop in those first 30 days or the first few days of uh call handling support? call handling every day um mm. making sure that people are comfortable and confident with handling customers objections customer complaints especially in the customer service world um it's really important because <clears throat> you can't in customer service you can't say right we're going to put you on the good calls line today um because you're not going to get any angry customers on this line because you're going to get people who are dissatisfied disgruntled whether they start off the call dissatisfied um this this stuff that maybe we might say or we might do or how we how we say things that then aggregate aggravate the situation so i'd always say the emotional intelligence of call handling is stuff that we need to really dial up is to say right how do we demonstrate empathy to customers what yeah. does that what does actually empathy mean on a call how do we quickly build rapport with a customer so that we can calm the situation down and and make them feel like um they're heard they're understood they're listened to um so i think call handling skills are um are really important and i think that they're, they're even more important these days um because people have got a short fuse since covid i think people's patience um for stuff has changed i think they've got higher expectations um i think they have shorter fuses um i think they're more likely to react uh, in a in a challenging way if if they don't hear what they want um because i think they went through this period where they were they were happy to wait longer periods they were happy to um mm. not speak to to someone in a particular way and since covid there's th- those expectations and those um mm. those feelings have probably reset and they're they're a bit more demanding now i would say mm yeah i mean tough times right like people change the attitude changes that i think one of the things uh, i want to acknowledge is i think uh, the contact rep folks the support folks they are the ones who adapt change very quickly and fastly right like they yeah. actually because they are in the front lines they can sense it and they can move forward <clears throat> yeah and you know what i think the, the contact centers constantly evolving and we talk about digitization of the customer journey we talk about using ai and and chatbots in the in the mm-hmm. customer journey and, and making it more self-serve so that things become more easily accessible to customers so customers are doing more they're they're serving themselves they're they're making payments in ivrs they're doing updates on their their names and everything in in the crm system and they're, and they're doing self-serve online so the queries that are coming into the contact center now are more complex 
They're more challenging. They're more from people who maybe have vulnerabilities. Um, they're people that can't get the answer that they want online. So they're probably a little bit more insistent. Um, yeah. So the conversations that we're having in the, in the contact center now are very different. So I think yeah. we need to make sure that we're training people up in that way to say, right, actually, some of the stuff that you're going to be getting mm. is going to be more challenging. It's going to be tougher. It's going to be more complex. Right. Um, so you can't now segregate the lines and say, right, this is the easy payments line. Uh, so these are just the people that are going to be ringing in and they're happy and they want to pay. Now you're getting everybody. Um, and you're getting everybody who's probably a little bit more peeved. Um, you're getting everybody who's probably been waiting a little bit longer in the queue than they would have liked to have waited in the queue. They can't self-serve. We might have been telling them that your call is important to us for the last 30 minutes, only to <laughs> cut the phone off on them and then have them dial in again. So then they're really angry. Um, right, so yeah. that's why I say emotional intelligence and call handling um, is probably really, it, it's very important these days to make sure that we equip the team to be able to handle difficult conversations. Hmm. Now that you, you've talked about AI, <clears throat> do you think AI is going to take away <clears throat> the service jobs? To a degree, um, it's possible that some customer service inquiries could be delivered through a virtual mm -hmm. assistant or an AI chatbot. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the way that we start to use things like um, chat GPT and, and large language models and, and feed speech analytics and text mm -hmm. analytics into all of those different data engines and those algorithms that then say, right, actually, if I want to talk to you about a problem with my bill, and it's a fairly low level um, inquiry, then actually it could well be that we build that and we design it with some sort of virtual agent that could be um, a virtual agent that can talk to you. Um, mm. and uses speech analytics mm -hmm. to turn it from text to speech and then has a full-blown conversation. And I've seen stuff like that um, already starting to um, turn, turn, turn contact centers and customer conversations around. And do I think it will completely replace an agent? Um, no. I think there'll always be a space for, um, for an agent and a, a, and a voice-based conversation because people want to speak to humans. Um, mm -hmm. they're, more, they're more accepting these days to speak to um robots and AI, but what they want to know, and I think this is where it, it, it differs, is they want to know if they are. Customers want to know if they're speaking to a human or if they're speaking mm -hmm. to a, a chatbot or a virtual assistant. Um, mm -hmm. Because the moment it then goes wrong and they're like, oh, sorry, we can't help you with that. I'm going to have to transfer mm -hmm. you to an agent. If they feel like they're being duped, you can get quite angry because you, 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 you feel like you're building a relationship. Um, so I think just be obvious when you're having those conversations that, hey, speaking to Gary, I'm a, an AI robot. I'm here to help. Mm. Um, tell me tell me what your query is and then take it from there. So I think there is, um, I, and funnily enough, we've talked about this on, on a recent webinar that, that I was hosting is to say, right, will it actually replace an agent? And the audience and the, the, the panelists was split down the middle. Some think it will, some think it won't. I think we'll get to a nice hybrid point. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, I do believe AI is not going to take jobs. I firmly believe in that. Anybody's job, what they will, what AI does is it's going to enhance people's job. Yeah. It's there as an enabler. It's an enabler to make exactly. the job more efficient and to take away stuff that um, doesn't necessarily need a human to do it. Um, right. And what that means, and I, and I think this is the key bit, and this is where people get really scared of AI, is to say, right, is it going to take away my job 
Um, mm. And am I going to lose my job off the back of it? And I think any contact center that I know of, most of them struggle from a resourcing point of view um, at certain times. They're never delivering the, the right service level at every interval during the day. So I think what AI will do is it will allow us to focus in on the conversations where we need to spend more time with a customer um, mm. and give us that capacity to automate and drive more efficiency. And where I've seen real good uses of things like um, AI is rather than me having to spend two minutes wrapping up my notes and typing up notes in, in admin, exactly. an auto transcription can summarize my notes for me in a nice way that's yeah. really clear and really systemized. And it just reduces your wrap time, which reduces exactly. your average handling time, which means that you've got more capacity to spend more time with your customers. Um, yeah, that's so that's the, where that, I think it will uh, go. Yeah, that's the efficiency bit I'm talking about. Yeah. I think it's going to fast forward a lot of mundane, uh, boring work and give it to you, handle it to you, you know, in, in probably seconds or even minutes so that you'll become more efficient and yeah. your, your mind space will be, you know, not occupied with handling these boring tasks, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, interesting you talk really, about mind space because, you know, the, the, the reality in the call center is sometimes the agent needs those quick and easy calls just to right. calibrate their headspace and say, right, if I'm dealing with difficult call after difficult call after difficult call after complex call after complex call after complex call, after complex call you get exhausted. And where agents have the opportunity now is just to decompress in between a call. Say, right, oh, God, this is a nice, easy one where I can just like not have to think and I can just update it. The reality being, we're probably going to end up stripping some of that out um, because right. it's something that can be done by AI, can, it's something that can be done by um, automation. So I think we need to be mindful of agent headspace when we start mm -hmm. to improve the customer journey and start mm -hmm. to drive some of those efficiencies because we're in danger of creating a really high demand, complex mm -hmm. customer call center um, that's going to burn agents out. So we just need to be mindful of that, that um, yeah. it could drive some really tough conversations um, that if you call after call after call, um, you're just going to burn out and then people will leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mental health is really important. Mm. Uh, last question before we wrap up. In your experience, uh, you know, I think we, we talked a lot about customer service, you know, uh, that industry, contact center, uh, reps, agents. What are some lessons in your, your, in your opinion that the other side, which is like the customer support, you know, customer experience side of things in part of the team can learn from the frontline workers, uh, the agents. Like what are, what are some tangible and intangible lessons that, you know, they should learn? So I think what we are guilty of sometimes in customer experience um, is over-indexing on customer insight and not listening enough to agent insight. Um, and we spend a lot of time going through and, and speaking to customers and we'll run customer journey mapping sessions, we'll run customer experience workshops, and we'll spend a lot of time thinking about the customer persona, the customer pain points, and what the ideal customer profile is. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll immerse ourselves in that whole customer experience bubble. I think where we need to engage more is the agent experience and what their experience is of the reality of what customers are telling us. Um, 
and and that's not to take away from from customer in, insight i think it's a it's a really important um piece of work and, and we need to get that feedback from customers in order to understand and and to assess where we can make improvements but i think there is a minefield of of gold um that sat in um the the agent discussion um so i think there's there's a hmm. the agent experience needs to catch up um with our focus on customer experience because it's no point in us making all these processes really weird and wonderful for um customers if we're then then aren't engaging with the agents to say right how how is it working um operationally um mm. how is it working culturally within the business mm. um when we talk about customer experience do we really mean what we say about customer experience um, mm. and is the is the customer experience agenda aligned with the um the vision and the mission and the profits and the and the realities of what we want to do and the profit that we want to spin at the top because um, mm. sometimes again the, the we've got every best intention to deliver these great customer experiences yeah, and absolutely. be the best for customer service but then we quibble about can somebody work from home um or mm. can we recruit over so that we're managing our, our attrition levels and we say whoa, whoa whoa no you can't do that because that's that's going to eat into the profits of um of the center so we need mm. need to put our um money where our mouth is sometimes and say right if we want to deliver great customer service if we want to deliver great customer experience we have to invest in agent capability in the agent experience and get closer um, to what's happening on the ground um, as much as we get close to customers and and what mm. they say we need to listen more to um, what the agents are saying so that, that's that's one aspect um, and then I think we, we need to get better at just harvesting data and using data mm -hmm. and, and and thinking and making data-led decisions um, mm. rather than perhaps getting distracted by something shiny and new and thinking oh let's implement all this new stuff and this new tech um, right. and square peg round hole type thing let's shoehorn it in um, or in actual fact we need to say right what's the problem we're trying to solve for what's the data that underpins that mm. and and how do we fix some of the the, the basics um, that might not be there in um, in the contact center and I always talk about um, fix the basics deliver today and build for tomorrow i think yeah. sometimes we we get lost in delivering today because the basics aren't right and sometimes what we do is we try and build for tomorrow but we build it on really shaky foundations so it impacts the the baseline baseline right. functionality and baseline processes stops us from delivering today because it gets us distracted on focusing on something that we're not ready for and then it all right. just goes to um goes goes to to pot so um, I think, yeah, I think it's fix the basics, listen to your customers right, right. and leverage data. I love that. I think listening is the key. That's like the, one of the fundamental keys. Uh, every, everybody who, who handles customers should focus on. Uh, Gary, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for being here. I love, really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I, I love the, the quote drops. The way you put things, the, the way you frame things and, you know, the, the level of importance you give and appreciate, uh, you know, the level of appreciation you have for the frontline workers and everything. So yeah. uh, thanks for being on the show. Any, any closing thoughts before uh, we say bye to the listeners? No, I think it's, it's an important conversation to be had. And, and I think you, you've broached some really key parts here is to talk about employees and their experiences leadership capability and how they support and underpin employee engagement and how we can leverage data ai and technology mm -hmm. to enable 
rather than to uh, distract. Yeah. So it's got to be an enabler. It can't be um, a, a substitute. So I think you, you've you've tackled some good things there. I'm actually looking forward to watching it back to see what I, what I talked about because I always think, oh, I actually said something quite useful there. So it always just reminds me as well. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. Uh, and thank you, folks. Thanks for listening. We have some awesome you know, guests lined up like Gary and we're going to talk all things about customer support, customer experience, community building, the importance of empathy, importance of listening and everything else in between uh, in the coming episodes. So I'm actually I'm, I'm very stoked, very excited for the upcoming episodes. Uh, but yeah, thanks to you guys for tuning in. Uh, that's a wrap for today. Stay right. healthy uh, and have a great day. Cheers. Bye folks. <laughs>